again, thank you so much for joining us on our combined service, full house here this morning. Great to see all of you here on this Labor Day weekend. We uh, will often on holiday weekends combine our services to one, and uh, it means there's a lot of people in the room at once, but it is a, it is a nice uh, experience to gather together as a church family, uh, both first and second service. So um, I'm going to tell you this morning about the worst feeling in the world. Some of you husbands, as I tell this story, you'll be like, oh, I totally know where he's going with this. I know what he's talking about. It's that feeling that you have, that you experience. If like me, you come home from work and you're, you're stood in the kitchen, you're having a conversation with your wife, and then just out of the blue, she asks that question. She says, do you notice anything different about me? Oh, you, you know instantly you're in trouble because... Obviously, if you had noticed anything differently about her, you would have mentioned it before now. So now you know, and you're, the clock is ticking. You've got about three, maybe four seconds to figure out what it is that's different and get the answer right. Now, from experience, um, I know that it's normally one of two things. It's normally something's different about her hair or something's different about her wardrobe. So I'm like looking, up, I'm like, okay, is it hair, is it dress, is it the shirt? You know, and I'm, and I'm thinking real quick, and, um, and I'll say, uh, did you get your hair cut? And even if I flipped the coin in my head and I was correct, it was her haircut, I'm still incorrect because I took too long. I didn't notice it originally. She's like, yes, it's my haircut. I'd like three inches cut off. How did you not notice? So the second she's asked me, do you notice anything different? I've already lost the battle. I'm not the most observant of people, but I will tell you this. Um, it did bring me a little bit of joy that I wrote this down in my notes earlier in the week when I was preparing my message, and then later in the week, I got my hair cut. Guess who didn't notice? Uh-huh. And I had like three inches taken off. <laughs> Couldn't believe she didn't notice. So I said, I'm going to mention that. She goes, yeah, the one time I didn't notice compared to the thousands that you don't. Because I'm not the most observant of people. And to be honest with you, maybe there are others here in the room this morning. You're like, yeah, I, if I'm honest, I'm not the most observant of people either. And we're going to put you to the test this morning to see how observant you are. Because what I want to do is I'm going to show you a picture here in just a second. And we're only going to keep it up for a short time. And I want you to take a look at this picture. And then we're going to look at it again later in the service. So if we can pull that picture up right now, there you go. Take a look at that picture. All right, let's see how observant you are. And let's cut it. It's gone. All right, so you may have looked at that picture and thought, okay, I, I, I did see a few things there. My prediction is that when you looked at it, some of you saw just a crowd of people. Maybe some of you might have even been able to tell me where the picture was taken. You recognize the room. You're like, I think I know where that picture was taken. Some of you may even have known one or two people in that picture. You may have recognized them and thought, I know who that is. But my guess is that most of you didn't recognize much and probably all of you won't remember much about that picture between now and the end of the service. But we are gonna come back to that picture later. And I'll tell you why I chose that picture. I'll tell you why I chose that particular picture. Because I like what I see in that picture because I like a crowd, okay? I like a crowd. I love the energy and buzz of a full room. This is a great message to say this on a morning when we have a full room of people. When I speak on Sunday mornings, I like it that there's lots of people here listening, hopefully even learning something. I like being in a crowd. I like concerts. I like festivals. I like big cities with packed trains and buses. I know I'm really weird. Um, 
I love eating outside restaurants in busy areas and watching the crowds of people walking by. I mean, obviously at the corner of my eye, because all of my attention is upon my wife who sat opposite me. But, um, you know, I love all the crowds of people moving around. I like crowds. But if I'm honest, personally, as much as I love crowds, I prefer community over crowds. I prefer community over crowds. I like crowds. I love the buzz and the energy, but there's something about being in a smaller group of people, the interactions, the engagement that can take place in a smaller community. Do you know what I've learned in in studying the life of Jesus? Jesus loved crowds. As you read through the accounts of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus loved crowds. We see that he fed 5,000 people in one day. Because the crowd who came to speak had obviously forgotten to pack their lunch, and now he performs this miracle to feed all of them. We learn that a sick woman came to Jesus in the hope of being healed, but because of the crowds surrounding Jesus, all she could do was just reach through and touch the hem of his garment. But as she touched it, she was healed. In our series, The Beatitudes, uh, Jesus spoke to a large group of people on a mountainside. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And listen to the verse that precedes the, the series on the Beatitudes in Matthew 4, 25. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the, the Jordan followed him. Large crowds of people followed Jesus. So Jesus also loved crowds, but If you look more closely at the life of Jesus, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can start to see a little bit of a pattern here that although he loved crowds, there were many times that he intentionally found himself in a smaller group of people. Intentionally, he would find himself in a smaller group of people, sometimes in somebody's home for a meal, sometimes just in a boat, sometimes with a small group of just his disciples. And that model that Jesus established is continued on in the early church. That means the church, that's us this morning, we can trace our roots back to how this idea of community started in the very first church. Luke, who wrote about the life of Jesus, he was a doctor, he was a historian. He also wrote the book of Acts, which is this historical account of what took place after the life of Jesus. So we can see how the church grew and and, uh, ballooned very quickly after the life of Jesus. And and very early on in Acts chapter 2, listen to how Luke describes the early church. He says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, as we read these verses, we can observe, can't we, that the church still assembled as a crowd. It says they continued to meet together in the temple courts. But if we look a little bit closer at what Luke's describing here, we see that there's, there's much more evidence that these new followers of Jesus were gathering in community. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. So we learn here that they assembled as a crowd, but they shared life as a community. These early followers of Jesus, they would assemble together in a crowd much like this, but when it came to doing life together, when it came to, to, to gathering together, they did that in community. 
I love that we meet here on a Sunday morning. And I don't want you to hear in my message this morning that I'm saying that in any way this is a, a lesser experience. This is fantastic. Sunday mornings we get to sing together. Our kids get to gather with their friends for a fun experience and to learn about Jesus and the plan he has for their lives. There are times when we get to celebrate milestone occasions here on a Sunday morning. It might be a baptism or a baby dedication, even taking communion together. On a Sunday morning, we get to hear some amazing stories of what connects the church that you are a part of, the church that you make up, that the impact Connect is having both locally and globally. Churches that we're helping to plant around the world. Organizations that we're supporting, all of which is possible because so many of you are incredibly generous in supporting the mission of our church. We couldn't do this without you. And I love that we get to gather some Sunday mornings and hear stories of what God is up to through the ministries of Connect Church. So many great crowd experience on a Sunday morning. But I want to look at this passage that we just read and suggest that there are maybe some things that don't happen as well maybe don't even happen at all in crowds, but that do happen in community. So we're gonna look at a few ideas here, some things that either they, they, they happen a little bit on a Sunday morning or maybe don't happen, but when it gets to a community, a smaller gathering, man, they just happen really well in situations like that. The first idea I had is that growth happens in community. Growth happens in community. Now, I'm not saying that growth can't take place on a Sunday morning or even when you're alone at home with your Bible or a devotional. Obviously, it definitely can. But I've always believed that there's, there's just something happens when you're in a smaller group of people, an element of growth, because I've, I've always used this phrase, circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. We're gathered in rows this morning. When we get together in community, when we get together in smaller groups, we're in circles at that point. We gather in circles to discuss together, to learn together, to grow together in ways that rose we never can. Listen to what Luke tells us about that very first community of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So he's saying in those very early communities, those very early small gatherings, there was teaching, there was prayer, there was fellowship, there was eating, and it all happens together in community. One of the reasons I'm teaching on this this morning is in just a few weeks' time, September 21st, it's a Wednesday night, we're going to kick off here at Connect something that we do in the spring and the fall semesters. You see, here at Connect, we really believe in, in groups and groups being a better way of really kind of connecting with one another. So to make it a little bit easier for some who have never been a part of a group before, we provide these opportunities in the fall and in the spring for you to be a part of an eight-week series of groups. So we come together on a Wednesday night. We provide a meal if you'd like to come and eat together. There's opportunities to pray together in the groups. There's fellowship. There's teaching. So, so all that we see happen here in Acts is happening on a Wednesday night. And I would love to encourage you, if you've never tried that before, if you've never been a part of one of our groups on a Wednesday night, I'd love to challenge you to consider joining us this fall. As I said, they start on September 21st. Uh, you can sign up online, and uh, we have a QR code for those who are tech savvy. You can just scan that and just go through the, res the registration on your phone. That'll be available in the lobby. And if you're not sure how a QR code works, you can go and talk to someone at the welcome desk and they will help you get signed up or learn more about those classes. 
But this fall, we've got four really great classes. They are Rooted, Marriage, Men's, and Women's. So four options of classes you can join. Now, Rooted is a wonderful class where we just kind of look at some of the fundamentals, some of the basics of what we believe as Jesus followers. And the great thing is, whether you are brand new or whether you've been following Jesus all of your life, I always hear from people who go through this group together how much they learned, both from the material and from their conversations with one another. It's great to see groups of people gathering, talking, learning, developing. We have a marriage group that meets in here and and focuses specifically on marriage. What can we do to invest now in our marriage to help us over the long haul? We'll have a group just for women and a group brand new this year for men. We've never had a men's group before, so I'm super excited about that. I love what Rick Warren has to say about small groups. Rick Warren is, one of the, is the pastor of one of the largest churches in America. He says, talking about groups at his church, small groups are not a ministry of the church. Small groups are not a program of the church. Small groups are not an outreach of the church, and small groups are not an event of the church. Small groups are the church. Rick Warren says, you know, we need to move our mindset and think of this as a, a program and realize that actually when we read Acts 2, This was what the church was established on. This was how the church began in these communities. Now, here's another thought for you here this morning with regards to to the kind of growth that I believe happens best in community. When it comes to growth, I believe it's more about velocity than position. More about velocity than position. So what do I mean by that? Well, uh, I've got a picture here to illustrate exactly what I'm talking about. So take a look at this first picture. We've got a drawing there on a piece of paper. We've got Jesus in the middle. We've got person A and person B. And, and by all purposes, as we look at that picture, we've kind of already made this decision in our mind. Okay, so person A is obviously closer to Jesus. Person B is, is a bit further away from Jesus. Maybe in your mind, you've actually kind of put yourself in um, one of those letters. You're like, yeah, I think I'm more of a person A in this picture. Maybe I'm more of a person B, and, and sometimes we'll look around the room and think, oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're definitely a person B, you know, and I'm much more of a person A, you know, and we categorize people like this by their position in relation to Jesus. But what this p- picture doesn't show is velocity. It doesn't show any movement. So let's add some movement. Let's add some velocity to this picture. Now the story changes, because we now see, according to this picture, that person B is moving, Person B is on a journey. Person B is really wanting to know more about Jesus. They want to experience Jesus more, and they're moving towards Jesus. So while they may appear to be further away, they're on a journey moving. Person A may appear to be closer, but there's no movement whatsoever. They're kind of stagnant. They're just stuck where they're at. And I love to be around people like person B. I love to be around people who have this desire to move, to grow, to say, you know, I love where I'm at right now in my journey of learning about Jesus, understanding more about Jesus, but I don't want to stay here. I want to learn more. I want to discover more. And one of the great ways of of bringing velocity into our lives, of experiencing that growth is to say, you know, for me, Sunday mornings aren't enough. I love sitting in rows, but man, if I could get into a circle, I've got some questions I want answered. I want to experience some more things. I want to learn some more. And, and people make that step, that movement towards velocity. And small groups, I think, are a great place to see that happen. Here's another thought I've got. Not only does growth happen in community, it's a great place to experience growth. I think relationships happen in community. 
We're called Connect Church. (laughs) That wasn't a random idea. We believe that God called us to connect our community to Christ, to be a place that connects um, our community and our surrounding areas to a relationship with Jesus. But we'd like to believe that this is also a church where you come and feel not just connected to Jesus and things of the spiritual nature, but maybe connected to one another as well. So we want to provide opportunities for you to get connected because we believe that relationships happen in community. Luke says that all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So we understand here from this early church that physical needs were made known and were met. So when it came to meeting physical needs, community, it seems, is better than a crowd. He goes on in verse 44 to say, with glad and sincere hearts, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When I read that phrase, enjoying the favor of other people, I I picture that emotional needs were made known and were met in these smaller gatherings. When it comes to meeting emotional needs, community is better than a crowd. So relationally, whether it's physical or emotional needs, very often when we gather in a smaller community instead of a crowd, we see those needs met more. Casey and I have experienced this so much throughout our married lives, even before we were married, in our church lives, because we've, we've made it a priority to find groups to be a part of. Until just recently, we were in a small group here at the church, and I, I do need to explain this. So um, our Wednesday night gatherings, they're brilliant, but our ultimate goal is that out of those gatherings, new groups will begin, because we like to see groups take place year-round. We love to see groups that meet in homes, that come here and meet at the church, whatever it might be, but groups that continue year-round, because growth, relationships, these happen best in circles. These happen best in groups. So... For the last two or three years, Case and I, we've been a part of a small group here at Connect, and sadly, uh, just a few months ago, that uh, journey, that small group came to an end because uh, one of the couples in the group, there were five of us couples, one of the couples, uh, they'd actually um, made a decision to move out of state, so they put their house up for sale, and it was their house we met at, so that really kind of messed things up a bit. So so they were moving, then another couple in the the group, a great couple, they belonged here to Connect, but he, uh, the husband, had a great job opportunity to actually work with another church nearby, and he's going to become their small group's pastor. So obviously, it was going to be a little bit difficult for him to continue to come to Connect if he was the small group's pastor of another church and be in our small group. So obviously, the time was right for him to now transition to this new church, to be a part of their small group. So so we lost two of the couples from this group. So we realized that our group was probably going to dissolve, and we'd have to start up a new group. But over the time we met together, Over the time we met together, we saw so many great things happen. And at our last gathering, we were reminiscing on some of the experience we had, and it was just such a a happy and sad occasion. We thought, we need to take a picture of all of us together. It was our last time together as a group, and um, it was only us in the house, the five couples, so we had to figure out a place to balance the phone and put the timer on, and and the best spot was on this little table by the front door, and the stairs were behind, so this was the group picture we took. It wasn't until afterwards that we realized what it looked like we were going to the prom or homecoming or something, so that wasn't our intention, but it was just a great spot. But, but these five couples, this was our small group for two or three years, and we loved it. In our time of meeting together, all of us, we ate together, we drank together, we laughed, we cried. And I'm not just saying that. We literally laughed. We literally cried. We talked about marriage. We talked about parenting. We talked about work. 
We prayed when group members had job opportunities. We prayed when group members had unexpected medical diagnoses. The guys in this group texted me on a regular basis when my dad's health was failing, when he finally passed away. I would get texts from them on a regular basis saying, hey, Dave, we're praying for you at this time. They, they walked with me through a really difficult time in my life. I know I could call on any one of these people at any time, and they would come and provide help or support. It was such a great experience for Casey and I, and, and we're looking forward to discovering who our next group will be and the next relationships will be that we'll, we'll develop in a group because as a, as a lead pastor, I don't wanna just talk about this. I wanna experience this myself. I wanna be a part of the growth that takes place, the relationships that take place in community. So I'm not saying here this morning that uh, the only place you'll find great relationships and physical and emotional support is in our groups. Obviously, that's not the case. Some of you belong to a gym, a book club, a bowling team, a club in high school, a group of families whose kids play travel sports together. And it's like a community for you. It's like a small group that you're a part of. And you experience some of that physical and emotional support of being together with these people. But I would guess that if it's a club or if it's a sports activity, that, that spirituality isn't high on the lists of topics to talk about. That, that isn't a part of, there may be some emotional, there may be some physical needs that are met by being a part of that circle of friends, but maybe the spiritual element isn't a part of the priority. In our groups here at Connect, whether it's on a Wednesday or outside of that, there is a high emphasis put on what it means to follow Jesus, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. When we talk about marriage here in our marriage, there'll be some great conversations about what it takes to, to have a healthy marriage, the kind of things we need to be doing to sustain a good, strong, healthy marriage. But it'll all be through the lens of a spiritual perspective. How, Jesus, how can you be a part of the center of my marriage to help me through this? As the men gather together, They'll talk about situations, things in their life, but through a spiritual lens. As the women gather together, they'll talk about that. As the rooted group gather together, it'll be, I want to understand more about what the Bible has to say about this. I want to understand about more about this, this huge question I've got about God and, and there's this situation in the world. How is that happening? And I want to get together with other people to help me figure that out. These happen. Those kind of relationships are developed with a spiritual emphasis in the communities here at Connect. So I believe that growth can happen best in community, in smaller groups together. I believe that relationships, relational needs can be met in community. And do you know what else I love? Here's what I believe, that people discover Jesus in community. People discover Jesus in community. One of the things that fascinated me about that, that verse that Luke um, wrote in Acts is of all the things that were going on, people were gathering together, they were taking communion together, they were praying for one another, they were helping meet needs, emotional, physical, and yet still, it sounds like this kind of church all gathering together, and yet still, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This wasn't an inward group of Jesus followers who just started getting together to meet one another's knees and to look after each other. Jesus was still being proclaimed and people were still coming to discover Jesus because of these communities that were meeting together. And I love that here at Connect, people are still discovering Jesus through our small group structure. You see, our small groups aren't intended to just be for those who have made a decision to follow Jesus. 
You may be here this morning and, and you're still kind of kicking the tires. You're still like, I'm not sure what I believe about this. We love that you're here. And I, I would say that even our small groups would be a great place for you to come. A great place for you to come and, and, and ask questions, get to know other people. In fact, if you are searching, if you're curious to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, our groups could actually be the very best place for you to be. Because when you're sat in a row here this morning, you have to rely and hope that what I say will answer a question that you might have had. But when you're in a circle, when you're together with a community, you can ask questions. You can share your doubts and your concerns. In fact, someone in your group may have been through the exact same thing you're going through. They may have had the exact same question you once had, or they, they, they had the exact same question that you now have. And you'll be the perfect person to speak to them in that group. One of my favorite stories, recent stories about our groups is a friend of mine. Um, he's been coming to Connect now for maybe a little over a year, and, and his story is incredible because the way he found himself to Connect was almost um, accidental. He was literally just here in the area, and he heard the music on a Sunday morning and wondered what it was and came in. Came in and sat in one of our services and, and following that reached out to me and said, hey, um, I've, I'd love to talk to you if you've got a second. I've got um, so many questions. I grew up with a little bit of a church background, but uh, for the remainder of my life, I've not really been in any way following Jesus. But I was drawn there on a Sunday morning. I came in and it just kind of got me thinking about some things and, and I got all these questions. So he and I, we connected via email and we connected via phone and um, brilliant questions. He had so many great, great questions. This is somebody who wasn't a follower of Jesus and had so many big questions about God and spirituality and, and some of his questions I was able to answer and some of them I was like, man, that's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna ask God myself one day because that's a big question. <laughs> and I wrestle with that question myself sometimes. We have some great conversations, but I said to him, you know, I think what would be good for you is if you came to one of our groups. We have a group called Rooted. We have another group that runs in the spring called Alpha. And those groups are specifically designed for people who have questions, who are either um, followers of Jesus, who are brand new in following Jesus, or who haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. But the discussion in this group are some of those basic things of, of why this God? Why do we do this? Why did you do this? Why does this happen in the world? So we agreed. He came along, and, and the first group he was in was the Rudy group, and he just had some great conversations with some people in his group, but still, lots more questions. Then he came again to um, our next set of groups, and uh, he was actually in a group that my wife and I were in charge of, and it was an alpha group, and lots of other good questions, and was involved in great conversations with people in that group. And again, lots of questions. Just recently, um, we got to have lunch together, and as we were sat having lunch, we were just a great time catching up, and, and uh, it's like every question that was asked, you know, another question would come, and we would go through these questions and answers, it was great, and then at some point I said, listen, I said, I'm happy to keep answering questions as long as you like, but I do think at some point, you're never going to get answers to all your questions. At some point, you're going to have to decide, okay, I think, I think there's enough here, there's enough now, enough questions have been answered, enough that, that I will, I'm willing to take that step of faith, because that's what it is. It's a step of faith. In my experience of following Jesus, we'll never get all the answers to all the questions we have to, to satisfy us enough to make a step to follow him out of pure certainty. There will always be an element of, of faith, of trusting that God is who he says he is. And I said to this person, I said, if you take that step of faith, 
You can still have questions. Many of us on a Sunday morning still have lots of questions, but we've made that, that decision to follow Jesus. I'd love to see you take that step of faith. He said, actually, and I hadn't seen him for a while. He said, actually, about three or four months ago, I was at a place where I was alone, and I thought, God, I, if you are real, if you are there, I need you in my life. He said, I prayed this prayer just by myself. He said, God, I want to follow you. I've still got questions, but I want to follow you. He said, but God, you're going to have to show yourself to me. I need to know that you're real. So he's telling me this story. He says the next morning he got up and he's, he works from home and he was in his office downstairs and his, his young uh, preschool daughter came in and he has a whiteboard in his office. And he says she just walked in and she didn't really say anything, but she picked up this uh, dry erase marker and she just wrote God. And then she left the room. <laughs> and he said, I, I didn't know why. He's like, why did she write that? So then he went upstairs and she was writing on the erase marker on the, uh, on the whiteboard on the fridge and she'd actually wrote God job. And what she was trying to write was good, but she spelled it God. So he's like, so maybe it was just, you know, an accident. She's like, I said, dude, no. I think you prayed and I think God answered your prayer. I think he knew that you needed to see something and your daughter came. And it was great because I, I emailed him this week and I said, I'd love to tell that story because it, it, it'll help people who are here this morning who haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus to realize that they too can be a part of our groups. You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to have made a decision to follow Jesus. You can still come to our groups and it's a safe space to ans- ask those questions. I said, I'd love to be able to tell that story. Would that be all right if I could tell that story? He says, yes, that's absolutely, you can tell that story. And he said, but I've got a few more questions. And he, he has some more questions. So we're going we're to have lunch again, and we're going to try and answer some more of those questions. Because it's great. Because in small communities and gatherings like that, that's where you get to ask questions. That's where you get to hear the questions answered. So as I close out this morning, let's go back to that opening question. How observant are you? How observant are you? What do you remember, if anything, from the picture of the crowd I put up earlier? Let's put the picture up again. My guess is that if you remember anything, it's probably something fairly superficial. Maybe some of you are like, okay, I did think that was five points. It is. It's one of the five points meeting rooms, and that was something that stood out to you. Maybe some of you who are very observant realize that the guy at the front uh, is me. And you're like, okay, I thought that was Dave. I I thought that was one thing. But, But I'm guessing that most of the things, if anything, that you remember about this picture of this crowd are somewhat superficial. But for me... This is much more than a picture of just a crowd. This was back in February of 2013, and it was um, Casey and I, we'd, we'd announced to the community, to some friends, to different people that we'd, we felt God was leading us to start this brand new church in Washington, Illinois. And we were going to hold an informational meeting at Five Points on a Sunday night to tell people the idea we had about starting this church. This was that meeting. It was so exciting that night to see so many people come who wanted to learn more about this brand new church that we felt God was leading us to start here in Washington. Some of the people in this picture are still here today. And I love it because they're not just people in a crowd to me. Over the years, we've got to do life with these people. We've got to be in community with people. We've got to hear more of their stories. We've got to know more about who they were. So for me, this will never just be a picture of a crowd. This is a story of a group of people that began something. And even in that very first informational meeting, we had the intention and the desire that Connect Church wasn't just going to be an experience on a Sunday morning. We believed that God had called us to start a church that would impact our community, 
would be a church that looks outwards, not inwards, but also would be a church where people would feel connected, connected to Jesus and connected to one another. And we felt like groups, communities were a great way to see that happen. We shared that vision that night in February 2013, and almost 10 years later, that vision is just as true today. It's still just as much a part of the DNA of Connect Church. It's why I'm talking about this subject this morning, and we'll continue to talk about it as often as possible. Because I love crowds, but I believe that community over crowds has the potential to help people grow, to help people discover Jesus, and relationally to help people connect with one another. We love having you here on a Sunday morning, and we hope you'll continue to come and be a part of this crowd. But what we'd really love is if you take that next step to move from crowd to community. And I know for some of you, it's a huge step. It's a very vulnerable step to say, I'm not sure. What if I sit in a room full of people and they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? What if they, what if they talk about a subject I'm not comfortable talking about? I realize this is a big step, but I promise you, if you'll be brave, if you'll say, I want, I want to see some velocity in my life. I want to see some movement. And in order for that to happen, I'm going to take this step. Join us Wednesday, September 21st. You can sign up today. Some of our classes actually have a cap to how many people can be in them. So don't delay. Sign up today. <laughs> Do you like that? That wasn't even in my notes. That literally just came out. <laughs> Such a poet, and I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> Please join us. We'd love to see you as part of our community as well as our crowds. Time for me to wrap up. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for being able to join together this morning as one large crowd, as one big community here of Connect. First and second service combined. It's, it's wonderful to see everyone here together. We love it. But God, as much as we love the celebratory aspect of a crowd on a Sunday morning, taking communion together, celebrating what you're doing in that community watching people get baptized, watching babies be dedicated. Lord, we love so many things about gathering in a crowd together. Lord, there's something about community that oftentimes we don't experience in a crowd. We may have a great conversation in the lobby, but again, somewhat superficial. Lord, when we gather on these Wednesday nights, we go deeper, lives change, relationships grow, people find their way back to Jesus because they're willing to take that step, that next step, to be a part of a group, to be a part of a circle, not just a row. So I pray, Lord, that this morning you'd have spoken to a few people here who may have been on the fence and they think, you know, this fall I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna read more about what's on offer this fall. I'm gonna scan that QR code. I'm gonna talk to someone at the welcome desk. I'm gonna find out about more about what's going on on these Wednesday nights because I want to do that this fall and grow closer to you as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.